um, hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they called themselves after the holy city and stayed themselves on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts in his name. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. And suddenly I did them and they came to pass because I know that you are obstinate and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. I declared them to you from old before they came to pass. I announced them to you, lest you should say my idol did them, my carved image and metal image commanded them. You have heard now see all this and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created new, not long ago. Before today, you have never heard of them, lest you say, behold, I knew them. You have never heard, you have never known. From, from of old, your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from before birth, you were called a rebel. For my sake, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for, for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not, not as silver. I have tried, uh, I have tried you in, in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profane? My glory will not, I will not give to another. <clears throat> the Lord's call to Israel. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. My hand laid the foundations, foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on, on Babylon and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me, hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From, from the time it, cannot, it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like the grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth and say, the Lord has redeemed his servant, Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made, the, made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Rosalind, thanks so much for reading. It's a really long passage, so well done for, for getting through. Well, if you are a Christian today, I want to ask what's your experience of sharing your faith with your colleagues? Uh, let me tell you about Ed. Some of you might remember Ed, who used to be a partner here at Covent Garden before his office moved. Uh, we remember Ed very fondly. And I remember Ed, he was telling me how difficult it was to be a witness in his office. 
Um, some of them were not keen, and many in fact were not keen. And they would say to him, Ed, well, I'm really happy for you. I know your faith is important to you, but it's not really for me. And then they had some that he had good conversations with. But the problem with that was it was a real challenge because the people that he was speaking to, well, they were really, really smart. And the conversations would be on philosophy and they quote different philosophers at him. And then they would ask him, Ed, well, what is your opinion about the whole LGBTQ issues? I mean, difficult, uh, real challenging issues. Uh, what do you say? in such a situation. And Ed, he was telling me, you know, he felt no matter what he said, no progress. He would give an answer, they would ask another question, he'd give another answer, they would ask another question. But it felt like his words were falling on deaf ears. And so I wonder, do you share that common experience when you try to speak to people and there's very little progress? People, I would guess, are pleasant, and they're very nice, but it just, don't care. Most people, well, they are deaf to the gospel. And so that's our question for today. What will cause the deaf to hear? What will cause the deaf to unblock their ears and to listen? And not the literal deaf, just to be clear, spiritual deaf. And the experience on the personal level, I guess we'll all say, is um, just a symptom of what's happening on a wider level. We are in a post Christian nation. The nation is deaf to, to God. Uh, the city is deaf to God. Uh, the established church is deaf to God. And officers, likewise, is deaf to the voice of God. So what would need, uh, what do we need uh, to cause a deaf nation to turn to listen to God, to once again listen to the voice of God? But if we think that our situation is bad, uh, we here in the UK and in the West, we're in a desperate state. Can you guess which nation was far worse? Well, it was the nation, the ancient nation of Israel. You see, worse than outright rejection, they were far more deceived. On the face of things, they looked religious. They were strict. They followed the rules. They wore their robes, their hats, and they carried their scepters. But underneath, well, it was hardness of heart and death. Yes. I look at verse one in our passage today, describing Israel. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, who come from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, who confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. Do you see what's happening? It's a very grim description. They say, as long as the Lord lives, they swear with their hands on the Bibles and with their mouths, they confess, I follow God. But in reality, it's not in truth and is not in right. I mean, that's quite a desperate state to think that they are following God, but actually it's a deception. And so the description of Israel um, is that it's a nation who is deaf. Look down to verse eight. You, Israel, have never heard, you have never known, and from all, your ear has not been opened. You see the description there. God has been speaking from heaven through the mouth of the prophets. They nod and they smile, but not one word goes in. They are deaf. Their ears have never been opened. 
So what would cause the nation of Israel, who had their ears blocked from birth, to listen to the voice of God? And what would cause our officers, this nation, to finally listen to the voice of God? Well, we are in the final talk in Isaiah, and at last we get an answer to their problem that would change deaf nation to listen to God. And here's a surprising, surprising answer in our passage. And the answer is to, to keep speaking, to keep speaking to the deaf. You might think that's quite surprising. I mean, if you're hard of hearing, uh, to keep speaking, it doesn't really help to unblock someone's ears. But today God is saying that if to unblock deaf ears, the solution is to keep speaking. Well, it will require a certain kind of speech, which we will see, but it's speaking that will unblock deaf ears. Well, if you're following the handout, we are on our first point, keep speaking because it prosecutes the stubborn deaf. Well, despite Israel being, being stubborn and the block ears, God, he keeps speaking. Look down to verse three. The former things I declared of all, they went out of my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. God, he declares the things of all, the former things, uh, the prophecies of Israel's history, uh, the exodus, the entrance to the promised land, uh, the exile of Israel and the return. Uh, God, he continues to declare those prophecies. But why does he do so? Uh, verse 4, I think the way verse 4 starts is really interesting. Uh, put your thumb and, and cover the first word in verse 4. And let me ask, what word would you use uh, to start the verse in verse 4? Uh, so I'm not going to read out the word. I know you're obstinate. Verse 5, I declared them to you of all. Now, what, what would you say? Now, what, would you, what word would you put there? Uh, personally, for me, I'll put the word um, like, though, even though you are obstinate, I still declared uh, the truths, these truths from all. But what does God say? It's not even though, but because. Because you are stubborn, obstinate, because you wouldn't listen, I declared. So do you see the point? Um, he speaks because they don't listen. His speaking is a sign on judgment on them. Now look at verse 5. I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, lest you should say, my idol did them, my carved image and my metal image commanded them. You see, he is prosecuting them. He is preventing them from giving the glory to their idols. Uh, it's a, I told you so moment from God. Not in spite, not to spite them, uh, but so that their idols don't get <clears throat> The glory. And that's also the reason why he, he starts speaking something new. I look at verse 6. You have heard, now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago, before today. You have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them. Again, this is another I told you so moment. I'm so that they cannot claim credit for themselves. So God, he, he keeps speaking in order to, to prosecute them, to show them their guilt. 
to show them that they are wrong and he is right. Verse 11, he says, for my sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And so he keeps speaking to show that they are wrong and that he is right. They may not respond. They may not listen. But the words, they still have an impact. They show that they are wrong. And so think about my friend, Ed, who has all those conversations in the office uh, that seems to be getting nowhere, uh, makes no progress. And what Ed needs to remember that is not pointless, because even as things doesn't seem to progress, in reality, there's an increasing culpability on their part. The more they listen, the more they are culpable. And so this keep, uh, keep speaking because it prosecutes those who are stubborn and it vindicates the name of God. But here's the issue. Remember the question that we really had at start was, how do you unblock? Yes, I mean, it's one thing to prosecute and to convict people, but how do you reform them? How do you unblock the ears? And because the issue that Israel had, well, it goes much deeper uh, than, uh, than that. Uh, notice the description of Israel in verse 4. The neck is an iron sinew. Imagine a sinew in your neck made of iron. Uh, the heads, they don't turn. They just look straight. Uh, the foreheads are made of brass. You knock their foreheads and it gives you a clanking sound. And their ears never open, close from birth. So what would cause the deaf uh, not just to be convicted, but to hear? Well, the answer was there in verse 6. A God, he needs new speech, something hidden, something that he has not said before, something new. That is the thing that will change them. And so that brings us to our second point. It's keep speaking about the new thing that will unblock their ears. And I think that notice that new thing, it's right there from verse 12 to 22. And again, in verse 12 to 22, God, he says, listen to me, Israel. That's verse 12. Verse 14, listen. Verse 16, hear. And part of what he's going to say in these verses is a rescue from Babylon. Uh, if you reverse over the past few weeks, you remember that Israel was going into exile, and God promises them that they will come back through this king called Cyrus, a pagan king, a Persian king, who will bring them back. And that's a historical fact. Um, if you um, you've never known that before. Uh, 587 BC, uh, Babylon conquered Israel. They were sent into exile. 539 BC, uh, the great Persian king from, called Cyrus conquered Babylon and brought Israel back. And look at the description there in verse 20. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea, declare this with a shout of joy and proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, The Lord has has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the desert. He made waters flow from them from the rock. He split the rock and water gushed out. But there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Well, I wonder what you make of those verses. Uh, do you, does anyone think that it's a good thing? Not you hate everything is good, those verses there. Give it a shake if you think you're not really, it's not good. Or just drop your shoulders if you don't really know what's going on. Well, it's, it's curious, like what's happening in those verses? Um, on one hand, you have 
a call to go out, to rejoice, uh, to declare. But then look at how the verse ends in verse 22. There is no peace for the wicked. There is no peace for Israel who profess to follow God, but not in truth and right. Uh, there is no peace even in their return from Babylon. And so I think what Isaiah is saying here is the return from Babylon in 539 BC, that is not the solution. And something more needs to happen. And the answer is right there in our passage. I'm not sure whether you spotted it when Rasmus was reading. It's hidden right there in our passage. Okay, I'm going to read a carefully see if you can spot it. It's right there in verse 16. Draw near to me. Hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Did you spot that? Did you spot the new thing? Well, who's speaking uh, in, verse, uh, in the start of verse 16? Draw near to me and hear this. Who's me? Any guesses? Who's me? God, God speaking, draw near to me. From the beginning, God has been speak, has not been speaking in secret. But look at the very end of verse 16. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Who's me? Well, it can't be God because the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. So who is that me? Well, Isaiah 49 uh, to 55, which maybe one day we'll cover. Well, it is this uh, unpacks uh, this voice that we start to hear uh, in in uh, in an embryonic form in this passage. And I've put a couple of references on your handout as uh, Isaiah kind of develops this voice. Uh, firstly, we see it's a new servant, or if you like, a hidden servant. Uh, 49 verse verse two. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant. And you see this servant, he's a new servant. Uh, he's hidden, uh, hidden by God. Then flip to chapter 50, verse 5. And you see this servant who speaks again. Uh, the Lord God has opened my, my ear. And I was not rebellious, and I turned not backwards. You see, this hidden servant is not only hidden, but he's also the obedient servant. His ear is open, he listens, and he's not rebellious to God. But not only is he an obedient servant, he's also the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, verse, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, this servant, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. See, this suffering servant, he atones for our transgressions, and he brings us peace. There was no peace, but here he brings peace. And so the whole book of Isaiah was written into a historical moment, uh, Israel going into exile. But at the same time, it created lots of pressure 
if you like, prophetic pressure, a pressure looking forward into the future. I think about an Old Testament pressure cooker with steam billowing out, with the lid about to pop off. And then what happens? Well, next week, uh, we go to Matthew chapter 8, and we see a man standing on a mountain giving a sermon. And there's a huge crowd beneath him. And as he comes down the mountain, as he walks down, he heals the ill, uh, the sick, he casts out demons, uh, the lame, they walk, the blind, they see, and the deaf, they hear. And Matthew, in his gospel, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, which we'll see, he writes, and this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said, that he bore our illnesses and carried our sickness. See, who is it? Well, it is the Son of God, the suffering servant, the humble servant, the hidden servant, the obedient servant. It is the Son of God. It is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And so he says, now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. And so it's only speech about him, about the suffering servant, only speech about Jesus that will unblock deaf ears. And so I was speaking to Ed, you remember in the office, and he was saying he had all these chats about philosophy and about his views about LGBTQ. And, and he remember he shared with me that it was a real challenge with no progress. And I said, why not ask them what they think about the person of Jesus? I keep the conversation about him. See, I had many conversations with people who are not Christians. And the question that I always ask them is, well, what do you personally think about Jesus? I have a friend who asked me, Joel, how can you be so arrogant to think that God exists? And I said, well, it really depends on who you think Jesus is. Another friend comes to me and says, Joe, why does it matter that I believe in God? As long as I try to be a good person. I said, well, it really does depend on your personal view of Jesus. Another friend comes to me and says, Joel, how can Christians say that God is loving, but reject gay relationships? Again, we really does depend on your view of Jesus. See, it's really only when people come to know and come to reckon with the person of Jesus that it starts to unblock their ears. And so three thoughts on application before we, we close. Before we think about speaking, the question to ask ourselves is, will we listen? See, in Isaiah series, we saw big truths about God. Uh, he is the only creator. He is the only judge. He's the only God who knows the end from the beginning. He stands over creation. He is the first and last. And we cannot put him in a box. And so when he speaks, when you open his word, will you listen? Do you listen? Draw near to me, he says. Listen to me. Do we listen? The second application. After you listen, will you speak? For many of you, I know you do try to share in the office. I know you do. And let me encourage you to keep going. But also let me encourage you to keep speaking about the person of Jesus. Not about church, not about religion. Uh, not even whether you come to Thursday lunchtimes, even though you, you should. Um, keep speaking about the person of Jesus. And so here's a suggestion. I go to someone that you're close in the office and who really perhaps knows that you're a Christian. And you might say to him, um, hey, um, I know you know that I'm a Christian. You know that I go to church. 
But to be honest, I, I've never heard about your opinion about the person of Jesus. Do you mind sharing? What do you think of him? And you can share. Uh, personally for me, and knowing him brings true peace, forgiveness, and true comfort. Uh, he may reject, but remember, it's only Jesus who can unblock their years. The last thing to say is invite. We are going into Matthew because people come um, up front and center with the person of Jesus. And from next week onwards, we'll see Jesus coming down the mountain and people around him, and we'll see him in action. So why don't I pray all the time? Father, we give you great praise for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that even long ago, uh, you spoke about him and that you have sent him and your spirit. Thank you, we, thank you that we have come to know him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.